Okay, people, so it is part two of this week's Echo Chamber, and we've got a review and an interview with the director, writer of the joint. Okay, so, um, yeah, definitely worthwhile sticking with us. So, people, let's get into it. Okay, so let's get into this next film. It is all the Lord's It's always intriguing to um yeah check out a new indie flick, right? So you know I got hit up to take a look at all the Lord's men. And uh, yeah, definitely different, this one, people. Definitely different. It's like a crime drama comedy. I mean, it's hard to really put your finger straight on it. You know what I mean? Because it's kind of this melding of all these different things, right? But yeah, I think you'll watch it and think, that's a little unique, right? So, it is written and directed by Andrew Burton. Um, it is produced by Burton as well. Music is from Roommate. Cinematography is Rebecca Duran. The editing is Brian Gee. Natalie Varela handles costume design. Makeup was a Maya Wang and Iko Watanaba. Uh, production management is, is Alison Duggan. And also helping out around sound and all that, we've got Christopher Brecken, Hamed Hukhamzada, uh, Zayadon Lee. Andre Lynn, Raphael Milan, Jason Niner, Sean Oakley, Thomas Uzel, Sebastian Sonoguni, and Lee Yi. Okay, so the gist of this crazy little film. So Jerry and Jimmy are two understanding guild detectives in Los Angeles who fall under the influence of a mysterious cult leader while on a mission to nowhere. This cult leader, a certain Dr. Boozner, is joined by an ensemble of satirical castaways as he seeks to interrogate, so integrate his vision for a new world with the demands of Myro from Geneva, a woman who claims to be the new god. As we follow these characters on their investigations into the veracity of Myra's claims, we begin to ask ourselves, like Jimmy and Jerry do, whether reality can ever really be real. So, yeah. I mean, just from that, right? Just from that, love, you're thinking to yourself, wait, what is this? Well, it's some craziness. 
right? That's what it is, you know? Right, so it's kind of couched around this house, right? Now, the thing is, it's not like everything is happening in this one location, because we see the characters leave, wander around, but come back. So you can see that, you know, this is, they're on a tight budget, so they're using the house, but it does make for this intriguing kind of narrative, because, you know what I mean, when you see them coming, there's everything going on in this one house, but then they're leaving the house and they're walking and you're like, oh, I mean, is this this whole time dilation, right? This whole narrative of reality and all of that. You know what I mean? It kind of plays, you feel it plays into that. You know what I mean? Now, obviously, does it really? You know what I mean? As I said, look, there's budget situations and all of that, but it doesn't necessarily hurt the story here. You know, we have these eccentric characters, eccentric characters. Um, oh, yes, I didn't give you the cast. Dear, I did. So Jerry is played by Noel Mirabal. Um, Jimmy is played by Andrew Burton. Like, homie is, you know, wearing many hats in here. Dr. Busner is played by Matt Fling. Um, yeah, he has a, I'm not sure if it's his wife or partner, but Sheila, who is played by Malika Luhin, right? Um, then we have Myra, who's played by Iris Braden. There's Inez, who's played by Aiden Skye. Um, Alison, played by Gracie Lacey. There is the French president, played by Ilya Volok. Um, we've got Miles, played by London May. Larry, William Kastroganovaneni. Jin uh, Dabin, played by Morgan McCord. Ray, played by Ryan Strood. Uh, there's a dancer, played by Rachel Pendioff. Right, John Paul, played by Oliver Riclimi. Uh, Robespierre, played by Gus Klein. Federico, played by Simone Atteni. And another dancer played by David Chris. So, I think with everything going on, right, I really feel bad. I really, really feel so bad for um, Sheila. Oh, man. Like, out of everyone in this goddamn film, right, all the craziness that is going on. Look, we got the girl guides here. As I said, look, the French president plays a part. We have loads of characters doing stuff. The intrigue and mystery is thick. 
right? You you think the story's going in one direction, then this other thing happens, and you're like, yo, how are they involved? Wait, hold on, does that mean? And yeah, you are definitely, you know what I mean, left on your toes all the way through. But with all the twists and turns, all the happenings, oh man, poor old Sheila. Poor old Sheila is the one that you're just like, damn. And also because the fact that she just takes it on the chin. You know what I mean? You kind of feel that she's, you know, just like, okay, I guess that's how the cookie crumbles, right? And you just feel bad for her, man. But yeah, this is, it's very intriguing. If you like, like David Lynch stuff, you know, if that's your bag, like Mulholland Drive and, you know, Twin Peaks and all of that, right? You like those kind of odd dramas where, like, stuff is obviously happening, but it's really um, lo-fi, you know? If that's your thing, then I think all the Lord's men would definitely, uh, yeah, will definitely be for you people because... <laughs> yeah, Burton hey, he's an interesting cat man like you want to get inside homie's head because this story you know that, I think that's the really unique and interesting thing about indie films at times right when they take swings like this this is bold as fuck you know what I mean like a big studio isn't necessarily picking this up but when you're just making it yourself, you, you have the freedom to try these different things, play around with different techniques. You know what I mean? Have your cast really put it out there. And we get some very fun performances here, you know, from, from our cast. So, yeah, that, I think that's the thing with this film, right? It's different. It's different. But that it's not a bad thing, right? It's interesting. It's intriguing, right? And if you want to be intrigued, people, if you want to let your imagination just run wild, yeah, then check it out, right? It's available on uh, all your favorite VODs, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, all the Lord's men. Do I know exactly what went down? Not really. But am I mad? No. No, I am not. And now we sit down with the writer, the director. Real interesting cat. It is Andrew Burton, people. Okay, people, so I have got here today the writer, director, producer, one of the stars of all um, the Lord's Men, Andrew Burton. Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm pretty good today, Kevin. Thanks for having me. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, man. Not too bad at all. So, um, yeah, you've got a new film coming, right? All the Lord's Men. 
Um, yeah, I have no clue <laughs> what this film was, man. I have to say, I was just kind of lost. Yeah, so, yeah, I know. Interested to get into this review, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, okay, so it's a little bit surreal. Okay, that's obviously a given. Um, I guess what I'm telling people it's about is two detectives in LA are trying to solve a murder. Um, I don't know if that came through because that wasn't my total intention, like that this has to be the clearest thing to get through to the audience. Um, but that's kind of the the log line. Um, it's definitely supposed to be more of an experience, though, um, kind of in the spirit of... Um, not a David Lynch film, but in that vein, um, just about the visuals and the the music and just kind of everything that kind of composes every frame, which I hope is somewhat engaging. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it's not like a straight genre film, but, you know, it, it has its charms. <laughs> like, I'm very curious how you put something like this together, though. Right? Where does like let, let you know where did the idea come from? Well, okay. So the the idea just kind of came to me. You know, I write a lot. Um, almost every day I do some writing, and I have just gotten kind of used to ideas coming to me. Um, I think the way you kind of structure your day or your life in general really kind of impacts where these ideas come from. Um, so at the time I wrote that script, All the Lord's Men, I was listening to just kind of like 80s music. I was watching some kind of um, old TV, certain kind of British television shows were in my head, just kind of in my milieu while I was kind of percolating on this script. Uh, there was Miami Vice. Um, there were just kind of these cheesy kind of cop shows I was kind of getting into, like Kung Fury even. I don't know if you've seen that, but just kind of these like parodies of kind of 1980s detective um kind of macho guys i don't know I, I just think it's kind of like a fun it was a fun genre to explore and i wanted to do something which wasn't that grand a thing but was just kind of let's make a movie which is kind of a parody but kind of serious um and yeah it, i think it achieved ultimately kind of a some something of an artistic status more than i think I was even going for when I started making this thing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was inspired by just kind of everything that was around me at the time. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I will definitely say that there were those kind of, kind of vibes of like some old school shows and things like that. And yeah. It, it, there was a point where I was like, I was thinking, okay, so is this like, Oh, are we getting kind of the production of a thing, right? And we're seeing behind the camera of like the making of kind of thing, which is my kind of thought at the very start. But then I was like, oh, I'm not sure it's that. I think it's something even crazier. I think it's crazier, but it's not totally not that you can certainly see elements of these cops kind of arriving to the house to do their missions. And we kind of play that the house as kind of all these other locations that the production couldn't afford. I think, um, I suppose a larger budget film may have sent these detectives to all these different countries or cities, but we had a house. 
So we were just like, okay, this house is going to be this murder scene. It's going to be this guy's house. It's going to be, it's going to be everything. We, we, we had the budget for a couple days in the desert at the end of the shoot. So we also had the desert in there, but we were basically just using the house as everything. Um, and yeah, I don't know if, have you seen dark place? The, um, I think it was a channel four show that got canceled after one season with, uh, Matthew Holness or whatever. And, uh, What's his name? Matt Berry? No, I, I, I've seen a few Matt Berry shows. So yeah. you do get that weird surrealism. And, and I, I was in, yeah, that's where I was mentally when I was making it. And, you know, that's a show which is like very deliberately like low budget. Let's, let's kind of just have fun with like our one location and just see mm. where it goes. So there's, there's a bit of that in there, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. no, that, that, yes, that's interesting. Yeah. But it's just like, how do you, I, I'm just very curious how you frame this story up because it's like moving all over the place a lot of the time, not in a, I mean, it, you can, it's, I feel it's easy to follow the film, but with the way it's kind of structured, we are getting like all of these different elements all happening. So when you're putting this together, are you writing it in blocks? Do you come up with like one thread and then you're like, oh, let me put this other thread through it? Like, how is that? How's the writing coming about? Yeah, well, I don't really outline ever. Um, I think back when I was first starting to write quite frequently, I may have outlined, but I have since abandoned that kind of style of writing generally. Um, and basically I don't always know the end of a thing when I start a thing. So in this case, I did not know the end of it. Um, I just started writing and I thought, let's just kind of walk into this forest a bit blind and just kind of put one foot in front of the other, which is kind of the writing process in general, I think just kind of going blindly into something because you think it might work out or maybe it's a good idea. Um, so it's really just kind of sitting there and being happy that you got a page done because this page will lead to the next page and so on and so forth. And the script is just the result of my best judgment on every page leading to the next page. It's, uh, you know, not, the, the the larger kind of thematics, I think, which I'm still discovering, I think kind of emerge like now, really, um, but not when I'm writing it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I kind of, you know, different people you speak to, right? So a lot of times, you know, people will be like, oh, I had the middle and I was trying to work out you know how I was going to start it or they'll have the end and then they'll work out the other bit so I think starting and not having an end isn't you know I think yeah people just do these things in different ways it's yeah. always interesting to see how different people you know work out their stories and everything like yeah that. well you know I definitely kind of value the voice I think um generally over I guess a plot um, and I, I think that's probably more of a frequent kind of thing to say, like for novel writers, I think it's more common because it's such a long thing to write a novel that 
a writer will kind of be known for their voice and no one's going to really go into this author's world necessarily because the plot is like, you know, the most obvious kind of detective plot in the world, but you know, there's a voice and it kind of fills each page or just each frame with something which is a bit peculiar and hopefully somewhat interesting in a good way. So yeah, I, I definitely care more about this kind of being like authentic, authentic to a certain kind of voice, I think, which I think is mine, I guess. Um, whatever happens on the page, I'm like, is that the best I can do? Okay, cool. Let's move on. And then the thing becomes a movie, which is a whole different kind of way of writing, I think, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, how did you go about finding your voice? You know, because I guess, you know, I think one thing that you always hear is just like, and I think you see it in writing and acting, music, all these things, right? People have influences. And at the very beginning, you kind of ape those influences until you then discover who you are. Mm -hmm. So like, how did you kind of discover, you know, who Andrew is? Um, I think my writing... It started a while ago. Um, I think I was always a bit kind of into, it was started with novels. The first kind of like contemporary literary author I was into was a British author called Will Self. Um, perhaps, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's known these days for his like kind of modernist barrage of, of thoughts and words. Um, but back in the day, he certainly wrote things which were a bit more kind of easier to comprehend. and. I have read all his things. So he was kind of one of the first kind of contemporary authors I was into. Um, you know, things like reading War and Peace, all the Tolstoy things when I was like in grade school, um, devouring all of English literature, basically. Um, and then also when I was in high school, just reading scripts and anything I could get my hands on. Um, just doing everything um, to the point where these days I don't really actively seek out new movies or new books because um, I'm just so busy doing my own thing. And I think sort of the process of me kind of building a sort of creative infrastructure, I, I think, I don't, I don't know, I, th I think it's like a process in finding your voice of peeling away the things which aren't true. Um, and I don't know, I do feel personally, I've peeled away a lot of things. And when I go to write a page now, I'm always pretty sure that this feels feels right i mean it's such a feeling kind of intuitive thing you know like i have written like four novels which are in my drawer um but they're fine you know and you just have to kind of i've written a lot and i think that's how you kind of find your voice um yeah. all throughout college just doing it until you kind of emerge and something kind of emerges which is a bit more pure i guess but and then, then it's up to the world to be like, what do we do with this? And, uh, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense, man. That makes sense. Yeah. Like, do you use music to help you kind of get into that mindset or to, you know, help shape a scene or, you know, just a story in general? Yeah. Okay. Music's like big for me, for sure. Um, I think I write almost everything with some type of soundtrack. Um, when I wrote All the Lord's Men, I think it was a lot of kind of like 
Italian disco, 1980s rock and roll, um, David Hasselhoff, um, Men at Work, things like that, which I would have kind of at a medium volume while I was writing um, to the point where I'm not listening to the lyrics, but there's a certain energy music gives mm. you. Um, last night I was writing, I was listening to um, Alexandre Desplat, you know, some of his, um, some of his scores, because um, that's fitting the thing I'm writing right now. Um, you know, I'm always listening to music and people are always shocked at how much kind of music I know. And it's just because I write so much and I'm always listening to music while I'm writing. So, you know, music's huge and it totally influences what happens on the page. And then when you make the movie, obviously half of any movie is the sound and the score and the soundtrack. So yeah, I, I love kind of just being in that world and always kind of figuring out more and then even structuring scripts kind of as songs like just in terms of repetitions or beats or how long do we kind of withhold this story point so that when the drop comes you know what the next kind of like pivotal line or plot point it, it just kind of i don't know i think music is no different than writing or a movie it's all the same it's rhythm you know and yeah it's it's that's what it is it's rhythm so yeah 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 man no, that makes a lot of sense. That makes... yeah. Now, when you come to the, like, you know, and you're listening to this music and it's helping you kind of see where this is all going, when you come to the edit, do you sometimes go, you know what, let me put this on. So listen to something completely different to see if it shows you another way of putting it together? Yeah, it's definitely a different thing, no matter how kind of loyal you are to the script when you're filming. I think what you emerge with is always going to be way different than what you wrote. So I definitely kind of separate those parts of the process. Um, and yeah, when I'm coming to the edit, which is one of my favorite parts of filmmaking, you have everything put together. And then the part I really love is putting a temp score on it um before i send it to the composer so they have something like quite clear to work with like here's where the uh the music is going to be and this is what it should maybe sound like um in this case it was a lot of just kind of uh trent reznor atticus ross scores uh, social network scores um scores from nicholas winding refn movies um all these types of things and then you hand it to the composers and they kind of you kind of let them work for a couple months and then they, they show you something that you hopefully never even thought of, which is better than you could have done yourself. And yeah, so it's just kind of a dialogue with the music and the composers and, and everything. And it's always changing, I think, um, as it should. Mm. Now, are you just giving them, you know, like, as you said, the, you know, those those reference points, or do you give them a little bit more like like something like this, but I want it to do this, or this music, I want it to envelop, or, you know what I mean? Do you give them extra notes as well as, the, you know, the, 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 yeah, the tracks? Yeah, I definitely give them a pretty clear roadmap. Um, I send them a cut of the movie with my various kind of cobbled together songs and scores from various movies or symphonies or whatever is kind of placed under the film like 
and quite precise timing, you know, just like this, this score is going to start on this person's look. This one's going to end when, you know, the camera like pans down here. It's all, it's pretty exact to try to just kind of be as exact as I can before I kind of hand it over and then relinquish that kind of bit of control. So I definitely do all I can kind of before they kind of start. So they have, they have a pretty firm idea, but I have found so far that letting them really do their thing for a couple months without any input after that part's done is so far, it's just been a great, great thing just to kind of delegate that completely to them and then see what we get a couple months later. It's always a nice kind of surprise. Um, but yeah, I, I try to obviously have a pretty firm idea for what it should be. And then I think that helps the composers too, probably because, you know, these, they could go anywhere with their music probably. So I, I think, I mean, it's, it's good to give them as precise a thing as, as you can. Okay. Do you ever, have you, has, has there been time where you've got back music and you're just like, no, nah, that's just not right. Yeah. You know, not yet, honestly. Um, I've worked with um, a composer now for um, four different films, uh, feature films. Um, and um, yeah, not yet. Um, I'm sure that will happen eventually just as a numbers thing. But so far, this little process has worked quite well, just kind of giving them what I want and then they kind of give me something better. So that, that's been a, that's been a, a lucky thing so far, but you know, if it was atrocious, I, I think I would say something um, and then they'd have to redo it, which would be annoying for everyone, but you know, be good for the movie. Mm. Yeah. Oh, for real. And is, is it the, like the same composer you're working with all the time? Yeah. So far I've worked with uh, Nicholas uh, um, and Ezra. They, are part of a duo called a uh, Room Eight, a uh, composer duo from LA. Um, yeah, they scored um, the trilogy I filmed last year, uh, Pan American. Um, they scored all three of those films, and then All the Lord's Men. They also scored. Um, so they have been very good so far, and yeah. <laughs> okay, like, have you ever thought of bringing in the composer earlier on, like, and working with you from the very beginning as well? Um, I think I may bring them on earlier for the next film. Um, so far I have, I filmed the last, uh, four features without kind of a composer in mind. Um, and then I got lucky just kind of meeting these guys. Um, and we kind of spoke a similar creative language. Um, but do, I do think ideally going forward, I will want to work with composers as early as, you know, the, the first parts of pre-production um yeah because music's such a huge part of it um but yeah so far no okay no man yeah i always find soundtracks very fascinating and then like musical beds throughout the film and and, and that kind of thing you know what i mean because I, I i always hate it when people like when when is the music the is kind of forcing the emotion for the viewer where I feel it's just like you should get the emotion from what you're watching and mm -hmm. the music is just an extra element, right? It's like an extra cast member rather yeah. than anything else. I, 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 that, that seems like the, almost like the, the better viewpoint for music, but 
there there's also the viewpoint which i'm kind of myself getting around to more and more that music can almost more deliberately kind of control kind of what you're 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 seeing and really i think it's probably a push pull because i think in my film so far there are scenes where i think the music drives the visual um which maybe isn't the classically preferred option but I think in small doses, such a thing can be cool. Mm. Um, I don't think it can ever really hurt, but at the same time, I totally appreciate that the story without any music should do what it needs to do. Um, but I think if you're going into a film that's more deliberately just kind of a visual sonic experience, I think then you probably have more leeway to just kind of let the dialogue between the visual and the music be a bit more kind of even-handed, I suppose. Um, but there's definitely not, in my opinion, like a right answer as far as the proportion of visual versus sonic kind of input for each scene. Um, in this film, it is a lot of sonic all the time, um, which I think works. Yeah, but I kind of feel it's a different sort of thing with, th with this film. You know what I mean? Because I'm like those, I don't know, I, I would just say, uh, God damn, it's just trying to think of things. Like, let's just take a film like Bridget Jones, all right? And you, you have that soundtrack going through it, but instead of, right, crafting the scenes and making it, like, they just kind of hammer you with music to go... Just because, you know, it, the film isn't really working, so you need right. the music. So I feel that, like, there's times when, yeah, you can definitely use music to kind of go, yo, this is what this is, or to send you in a different direction. But I just, like, when you can kind of feel that the effort isn't necessarily there in a the storytelling, and it's just like, you know what, let's just use the music to do that. That's totally. what irritates me it is a little irritating but you know i definitely can sympathize with i, I can see probably producers I can, I can understand why they would go into the editing suite and this, this scene's not working let's slap some pop music on it it's it's a completely understandable thing you know it's like i i have sympathy for it and i i just don't know like how much the viewers notice that stuff so i don't it's not like they're pulling a fast one on anyone everyone knows that it's a song a lot of the times a song is masking something um i don't know it's I, I guess if it's one scene in a movie that suddenly has a song which is doing all the work it's probably forgivable mm. um, yeah yes yeah. like, yeah, yeah, a little bit is fine yeah. but it's, when it's all the way through then you're just like wow. yeah well, that's not really movie making. At that point, you're just trying to make sure people don't turn the thing off, um, <laughs> you know, which is also a lot of the, a lot of it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, do you give because I know it's like it's, it's interesting, man. I, I find some people do it. But like, do you give your actors like soundtracks or, or musical guides 
for different scenes to be like, yo, I, this, I want this kind of vibe in it, or just to kind of set the tone for the day of filming? Um, I have given actors kind of musical suggestions before and also just kind of suggestions of videos or movies to watch. Um, yeah, what's coming to mind is the writer character in this movie, Larry. Um, I did give the actor Bill Castro Giovanni like videos to watch, I think of Will Self interviews actually, because he comes across as a bit, I suppose, um, not pretentious, but pretentious in a lot of his interviews um, in a lovely way. He's fun to listen to, but certainly I was giving him some of those interviews to kind of watch, try to, to kind of you know be that type of writer, um, highfalutin kind of writer. Um, I've done music too. I don't recall specific tracks I gave any of the actors on this one, but yeah, I, the idea is to give the actors a whole world to kind of live in because their character is not going to work unless you can see that character like existing before and after this movie within a certain type of world. And then the idea of the movie is it just kind of captures the character at a tiny little segment of their life, you know, between a whole life prior and a whole life that's going to come after. And you can't really get that for, for a character unless they live in a world. So yeah, I do like to basically give them as much as I can to build their world. Um, but yeah, really good actors will also do all that themselves. And yeah, I think if they're a certain level of actor at that point, they could probably just tell the director to kind of, you know, leave me alone and I'll figure it out. Um, Cause you know, they'll build their own world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, how how easy do you find casting, right? That element of mm. filmmaking. I think I, I, I find it enjoyable. Um, you know, I've worked with casting directors and I've also, I cast kind of most of my last four features just mainly kind of myself. Um, I do like to think I have a certain eye for how cast should kind of go together. And I like to think I have a bit of an eye for talent. Um, so far, I've definitely, I feel like I have found kind of great actors and rounded out these casts in, in really good ways. Um, so I enjoy the casting process. Um, you basically just want to make sure the actor's, you know, kind of a good kind of reasonably chill person is always important. Um, and then just obviously if it helps if they have a nice body of work. Um, so far, a lot of these kind of actors I haven't worked with haven't, um, I mean, I haven't worked with any A-list actors. So, you know, you have to really kind of do your research on what they've been in. Um, but, you know, I, I try my best to kind of find people who I think are really good and could carry, you know, a movie at any budget level. Um, so, yeah, I, I love casting. Okay. And going in, do you, for your characters, right, how much of it is like an instinct on the people that you're seeing to this character is going to be six foot tall, they're this build, you know what I mean? Like, is it a lot of that or it's just you see someone and you think, actually, that that works, that's going to fit? Yeah. Of a casting, you think, oh, actually, that person... I'm going to go with them because their work, it, that character now will fit with that person more. 
I think it is generally, I feel like it's more kind of actor led. Um, I don't really see like any faces generally when I'm writing the thing. Um, so I don't really know what these characters really even look like um, until I've seen enough actors, um, auditions or whatever. Um, and then they kind of are the character. So it is kind of this weird kind of like blob of vibes and personality um, when it's on the page. And then during the casting, it kind of becomes a real thing. So yeah, I think it is kind of led ultimately by which actor you kind of bring in. And I, I, it's just, it feels very intuitive. I think you just kind of know when the person's right for the role. Um, it's, it's just, yeah, you, you feel it out, you know? Okay. Yeah, no, it, it's, yeah, you've got a lot of different cast members in this and just, you know, doing different things. So it's yeah. just like, yeah, it's curious to know how you kind of work all of that kind of stuff out. Yeah. yeah. With the dancing, do you let just let people go with it, or are you like, no, I feel this character's got this style of dancing. I yeah. want these moves. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, uh, I I got lucky, I guess, that the actors knew how to dance. Um, you know, I didn't cast anyone based off dance ability. Um, I just kind of said, "You'll figure it out on the day," and they did. I gave them, I think, zero kind of dance direction. Um, there was no choreographer. It was just kind of, I don't recall what I said, but I, they seemed to dance kind of well in the movie, I think. Um, yeah, no, I didn't cast anyone because of their dance ability, but they did okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a dancing movie or a singing movie, but these people surprise you sometimes and it's nice. Yeah. All right, no. Yeah, it, it's there's, there's just so much happening in your film, like all these different kind of elements that is, you know, what I mean, as I said, it's, it's hard to kind of pinpoint and go, oh, it's this, because we're seeing just all of these different things happening. You know, yeah, and yeah, I mean, just styles and whatnot. It, it's uh. A lot of it, a lot of stuff was going on. I, I hope some type of experience is felt during the movie. Um, almost like a music video will be primarily about the sensations it imparts upon the viewer. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot going on. Um, you know, when I made it, I was also kind of in the middle of a longer shoot for... Um, the Pan American trilogy I filmed last year also. Um, and I think that movie um, also plays a bit with time um, and just things kind of going on, um, kind of cutting back and forth, um, I guess, between kind of like an everything now type of reality or um, kind of a hyper reality, um, which is kind of an idea from um, uh, Baudrillard, you know, the French philosopher who kind of talks about kind of simulations and the simulacra and kind of all that stuff mm. um you know the pan-american movies i think do deal a bit more with kind of um just simulations and kind of 
past, present, future all kind of coalescing um, at one point. Um, and obviously I don't know that much about these things. I'm not like a time travel scientist, but I do think films are interesting because they can manipulate time. Um, and I think definitely you can feel the time has been manipulated um, in all the Lord's men for sure. Um, and I guess it is trying to convey that this is the present moment for the characters in the films. Um, they certainly kind of behave as if they're moving through time chronologically, I think. Um, but I guess to the viewer at times, it can look like um, there's a bit of time travel going on. Um, I don't think there is, but yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, how much of, you know, the creation of these things are you thinking about, like, what what's the viewer going to think, right? Because, you know, I think it's fair to say that, you know, you, these aren't necessarily, like, your traditional type of film. You know what I mean? It, 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 you're doing something different. You're you're experimenting. You're trying these new ideas in storytelling, which is fascinating. But with that, right, there is, you know, I think people not getting it. So when you're creating, are you thinking, no, this is the vision. This is what I'm putting out there. Or are you like, ah, is the viewer going to like it? Should I change that? Like, What's going on there? Well, I think I've gotten more and more attuned to the viewer. Um, I think even when I'm writing, I'm thinking more and more about what they're going to think these days. Um, but I think generally speaking, I have a pretty kind of friendly and optimistic kind of view of whoever my potential viewer is. And I just kind of assume that you'll you'll figure it out. You'll 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 know what's going on. Um, <laughs> so I, I I think I I assume quite a bit of the viewer to kind of give me slash the film like the benefit of the doubt. Like oh this is going to go somewhere or uh, this has to make sense. Um, you know. So I I, I think I, I I'm always kind of I'm thinking about the viewer for sure. Um, and if I can't give them like easy plot. I hope I can at least give the viewer like entertainment, which I guess could be like a nice song or maybe the visuals cool at a certain moment in the film. Um, so I'm thinking about the viewer, but I'm definitely kind of thinking about a viewer who is quite um, trusting of this film, I guess, um, you know, so yeah. I think I like my viewer, you know, I just, yeah, it's, it's hard to like, obviously know what the viewer is going to think when you're writing or on set because they're not there. Um, but, you know, you, you try. <laughs> and um, I, I, I think if, if you kind of feel that the people on set or even just you yourself are kind of somewhat pleased or enthralled to what you're writing or making, you can at least kind of assume that some of your own impressions will be the same as someone else's some viewer so yeah i'm always I, I am thinking about that all the time yeah okay because yeah. you know i i kind of feel like watching things sometimes you can 
you do get a sense that, oh, they were having a lot of fun making this film, right? And that gives you a different kind of vibe with the film. Mm. Like some films you just think, oh, everyone looks so miserable. I don't know if they had fun on this one. And these sort of things, I think, do play into how you consume things. Yeah, you are right about that. Um, It's tricky because if the actor is doing their job, like you shouldn't really be able to tell if like the set vibe was great or not. Um, This set vibe was pretty good, I think. Um, It was a bit rushed, you know, a bit pinched because we didn't have a lot of time to shoot everything. And most people just got one or two takes for everything, which is, I think, probably a bit of pressure on an actor um and you know um so it was a bit rushed but i think the vibe was generally good and yeah you can tell though there's some kind of ineffable kind of vibe that movies can give off when you feel like the production wasn't quite i don't know it wasn't flowing um so yeah you obviously want to try to keep everyone happy and cheerful during the whole process um make sure they kind of know like where they're going. Um, and I think, yeah, it's back to plot. It is easier to kind of talk about these difficult plot things, I guess, with actors, because you can kind of speak to them on the level of like emotional truth, I guess, which is probably a bit more kind of universal and clear. Um, so at least from an actor's point of view, I think a lot of the actors at least knew what their characters were feeling in that point in their lives. Um, now, you know, so, so that's something which can help the vibe of the set as well. Um, just actors bringing their A-game and knowing what they're doing. Mm. No. Now, you star in this film as well, right? You write, you produce, you direct. Yeah. Like, how do you make all of that work, right? There are times when you know, those lines can blur a little bit and it gets a little confusing or you need someone else's point of view on on things? Yes. Um, Things can blur. Um, Just from a directing, acting point of view, um, you know, things don't blur, like, in the most crazy sense. I think the most I did was you direct a, a scene, like, in a character's accent, you know, which isn't really that distracting for anybody. Um, But yeah, you know, the directing and the acting is kind of a, they're both very kind of physical things. I think when you're on set directing or acting kind of, I I, I feel like they're, they're quite athletic kind of endeavors. So I don't know. I feel like once I'm on set, they all kind of just happen somewhat seamlessly. The writing and producing parts are like way different though, because they're offset, you know, the writing and producing parts in my head are quite kind of distinct entities. Like um, I I feel quite, you know, artistic when I'm in the process of writing something, but then kind of the minute it's at its final draft form and it's time to kind of, kind of gather everyone to make this thing a reality and put your producing hat on. It's those are different hats. Um, It's it's, it's just, they're they're different things, but yeah, I, I think it's nice to be able to wear multiple hats for sure. Do you think it adds to your creative process? You know, because I think, like, 
you know, the day job for me is marketing and communications, right? And I prefer roles where I, you know, look after every element, right? Rather than, because I, I have friends that just do digital or, you know, campaigns or SEO and things like that. And for me, I hate that, right? Because, uh, you know, I want to be able to see all those opportunities. I want to be able to see how everything comes together, all that connected tissue. And I think when I'm just working on one thing, it kind of stifles what I can do. It stifles my creativity. So is that kind of how you feel with, you know, doing everything, like the acting, the directing, the writing, the producing? Does it help you create this big thing rather than, feel more limited i think it does help a lot um i think when they're produce when the director can kind of produce themselves and then produce the thing they wrote it's just gonna feel like a more cohesive thing generally generally speaking um it's possible to do these things with kind of larger teams too for sure and sometimes it's better to do that but i, I think it's always good no matter how big kind of the team is to definitely have kind of like a, a central kind of kind of vision, you know, just for the, in the case of movies, um, I, I think that is important for sure. Um, and then, yeah, I, I've gotten to kind of feel like the acting is also just a thing that it kind of flows out naturally from the writing process. I will write a character who I guess I feel like I could bring something to and then I'll just kind of get into that mindset and I'll start doing it. And when you're on set, it just, it's one, I know I feel like I'm at least kind of easy to direct vis-a-vis um, -vis myself. Cause it's, you know, it's me talking to myself. Um, I feel like I kind of, I can get with the program pretty quickly. Um, so, and like do what has to be done. So that, that kind of can help kind of for efficiency's sake, I suppose. Um, yeah. I, I think it's good to do these things. Um, and kind of act like they're one thing. Um, I don't know. I think just generally too, people these days do feel more comfortable kind of doing like more than than one super specialized role um, because the world is just kind of, I don't know. I feel like it's just expanded in every which way possible. And it's, there's just more to do basically. And I think humans have a lot of bandwidth more than they know. And yeah, it's just, it's good to do these things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I definitely, uh, yeah, I definitely kind of see that. Um, do you find, right, that with the way you make films and, and, and the way you approach all of this, that a certain genre fits better for you? Or is it just like, you, you know what I mean? You're, you might explore all the different genres. It's just what you're feeling at that moment in time. Yeah. Um, I think there's definitely kind of um, a focus on voice, um, kind of whatever my kind of authentic voice is as a creator, and then letting that kind of drive the ship forward. Um, I think in a more classic sense, probably drama slash comedy is kind of my bag. I think a dramedy, um, you know, I've, I don't think I've really gotten the hang yet of 
thrillers or horror or kind of a crime thing. Um, there's certainly science fiction elements um, in my stuff so far, um, just because there's kind of a natural interest on my part in kind of how society might change as machines kind of just become whatever they become, um, which I don't think will happen for a long time. But just that that kind of whole side of things is a bit fascinating. And it's just kind of always in my head. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th I think if everything I've written so far is kind of comedic, um, you know, at least in a dry sense, um, maybe, which is a British thing. I don't know, because I've definitely kind of imbibed a lot of kind of British television, I think, over the years, gotten that kind of dry humor. Um, but yeah, All the Lord's Men was supposed to be a crime movie. Um, it ended up being surreal and comedic. Um, so yeah, I think despite my efforts, I do end up writing things which I I say that I have to write, um, which is a pretentious writer thing to say. But I think a lot of creators end up kind of creating the thing they had to make at that time, you know? So that's how I feel about this. Yeah. Mm. No, I, I, de I definitely feel that, you know, when you're writing and you, there's, there, there's that two types of writing, right? Where you're just kind of forcing yourself to do stuff because you know you have to write this thing. And then there's those times when you just hit that kind of flow state, as it were, and it just suddenly appears, right? And I think it's those times are you driving a ship or is someone else driving? Because it just comes, right? It yeah. just, you know what I mean? And it's not like there's an intent to do a certain thing, but when all's said and done, what's on the page is what's on the page. It's very crazy because it does feel like anything that is good from a writing point of view, I think I always look back and I... Like, I, I just finished a, a new screenplay, like, two days ago. Um, and I don't really... I wrote it in about six days. Um, and I don't know how I wrote it. Um, but I think it's quite good. <laughs> and uh, so I, I think it is just a thing where you just have to kind of be open and trusting of the process and of yourself and of the best intentions of you as a writer and the characters on the page. And I don't know, these, these things just kind of happen. It's really strange. You can kind of give yourself like parameters, like I want to finish this thing in the next two weeks, or I want to write five pages today. Um, and that's kind of just what I do. I do set like kind of daily parameters, but things just kind of come. It's, it's a weird kind of process. I think when you kind of get into it, um, where does the writing come from? A lot of writers, I think I've read, you know, enough interviews with writers to just kind of know a lot of people just think it just kind of comes. Um, is it like a subconscious thing? I mean, it must be, but yeah. And I think it also is a hugely impacted by kind of what is kind of in your life at that point in time. So it's important, I think, to definitely kind of curate certain elements of your life when you're kind of trying to make a certain creative thing. Um, whether that be music or bedtime or movies you watch or don't watch, um, you know? Mm. Yeah, no, I, I I was trying to write this, um, you know, just wrap up this big campaign that I was doing at work and I was trying to you know, recap it all. And so the last few weeks, I've just been sitting at my computer 
admit I, you know, I'd written a framework, but I wasn't just like, eh, I'm, I'm not feeling it. And then my last day in the contract just all came to me. It just suddenly I was just like, oh, no, boom, boom. And I just rewrote it and had a finished piece. And I was just like, oh, shit, that's the piece. It's crazy. It took me, you know, weeks before I could actually, you know what I mean, find what I really wanted to say with that. Yeah, it's kind of like you wish those things could go faster almost. And I am personally curious, like, can you speed up those two to three weeks where you have nothing? Like, can you make that go faster? I don't know. It's 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 like, I, I think like going for a drive or going for a walk will usually kind of help things somehow. I don't, I don't know. Do you, I, I don't find like just sitting at the desk for like too long without anything coming will be that productive usually. But yeah, I don't know if you can speed that kind of process up. It's, it's weird, you know? Mm, yeah. I, I, yeah, no, just sitting there doesn't work. I, I need to um, do stuff, right? Yeah. So sometimes it's, you know, a walk. Sometimes it's g- the gym. Sometimes it's listening to certain albums or just, you know, going down that rabbit hole, or just exploring music or yeah. you know, things like that. That can that can help. Like doing things like jujitsu, you know, that used to definitely help right yoga pilates you know it, i think it's sometimes it's trying to open yourself up right can really get things flowing and i usually find that once i'm away from the computer and i'm doing something then suddenly it happens totally and then i have to get my ass back to the computer before yeah. i can get there's an argument definitely that you should try to, I don't know, a lot of the good ideas kind of come to you when you are just kind of doing something totally unrelated and having fun. So it's, um, and I I guess then going for a walk or whatever can constitute like part of the work day. Um, You know, it is kind of like a work never ends, work doesn't start, doesn't stop kind of thing with, at least with the creative process, it's, it's, it is an all encompassing thing 24 seven. So yeah, every single thing you do in your life, I guess is gonna help hopefully this thing you're trying to write or do it is strange because it Mm. everything and that's pressure but also it takes the pressure off i don't know (laughs) yeah i i kind of think like with this stuff when you enjoy it right like i enjoy writing like you know putting together a campaign and things like that so it's just, it doesn't necessarily feel like crazy hard work because it's like you enjoy it. You enjoy trying to tell a story, you know what I mean? So it's just like, there's, there's times when there's pressure for sure, but you know what I mean? I, I, I think, yeah, you, you just kind of, I don't know, you just inhabit this space, man. So it's just, everything that you're doing is helping build onto what you want an end product to be you know what i mean yeah um yeah it helps to just enjoy your life i think and yeah being physical i go to the gym a lot when i'm in the middle of writing and it it, it always helps you know 
just the mind body connection is very much a real thing. Uh, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a different thing. It's definitely yeah. a different thing. You know, when you're like writing dialogue, right. Does that oftentimes come from past conversations, you know, like the rhythm, not necessarily the actual words, but like the rhythm, you might be like, Oh, I want it to feel like that time when this happened. Yeah. Mm, I don't think they come from actual conversations. I can't recall many conversations that, that I've had in real life that have felt like any conversation in my movies, which is probably a good thing. Um, I don't so know where you haven't tried to write a religious text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So uh, it's definitely a rhythm thing. I mean, uh, I don't know where it comes from. It's a rhythm thing, though. Um, it's, it's a rhythm thing. You know, I've read all the plays of uh, Martin McDonagh, um, the British Irish playwright. He's great at rhythm. Um, but I don't know if that even impacts anything I write at all. Um, I don't know. It's a rhythm thing, though, for sure. It's a musical kind of rhythm thing. And they're not based on any conversations I've ever had. It's just, I guess, probably vaguely inspired by whatever kind of thing I'm thinking about kind of at that point in my life. And then I just kind of filter it through these characters, I guess, you know, and it kind of becomes an exchange. Um, yeah, I think if you just kind of listen to the rhythm, eventually the characters will end up saying something. And yeah. <laughs> You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh now you you know, the film's just about to drop, right? So how have you found doing the festival circuit and all of that, like the different receptions that you're getting? Like, how's all that been for you? Well, I have um been doing quite a bit of um kind of a press tour around this film. Um so far and you know the reception is always a bit excited um to kind of see who kind of made this thing and like why it was made in such a way and everyone acknowledges it's a bit surreal um but i think people like it um i think there's an element in the movie of kind of characters who are trying quite hard even though they're a bit um, I mean, they they live in a house and kind of do nothing all day and they can't leave the house because it's a cult. But that kind of dark kind of backstory, notwithstanding, all these characters, I think, have good intentions and are trying to kind of like live their best lives, you know, to kind of put a modern kind of phrasing upon it and just kind of be authentic. So like the writer, um, the detectives who are trying to be detectives, um, and the, these people, and I think people have so far responded to at least the kind of the authenticity of these characters um, and just kind of respecting their kind of personal kind of trajectories and their kind of defiance of anything that kind of, you know, the, the guy just spends all day writing the new Bible. That's a choice. Um, and I, there, it's, it's, it, there's folly involved for sure, but it's, it's still something which someone can kind of tip their hat to, like, good game friend you're trying to write a massively important text good for you good luck and yeah i mean people respond to that because at least they kind of 
they can respect a guy who is trying to at least do something with his life. Um, that said, I don't think the film really presents that guy in the most, uh, I mean, he's not supposed to be taken that seriously, but nonetheless, it is interesting to see characters just kind of do their own thing, I think. Mm. And, yeah, you know. I, I, I kind of feel bad for the wife. Yeah. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I guess he had other other things to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad for her too. But... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's just the fact that there's those two scenes where she walks into the room and she's just like <laughs> just like, oh man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The guy's on his own personal journey, and yeah, I feel bad for the wife as well. <laughs> no. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, no. This like it, it's definitely it's interesting because you you get that kind of cult kind of vibe. You know, he's this character trying to create this thing but then all the other kind of stories happening you know the police uh, and yeah feel bad for for you guys at the end you know what i mean but it's just like but but should we like what's gonna happen you know there's all these these kind of different plots and things so yeah it, it, it's an interesting enjoyable film and it does have you thinking. So, um, yeah, congrats on, you know, getting this done, creating this, this thing that isn't, like, you definitely won't be going, wow, oh, it's, it's so similar to, you know what I mean? Because you've yeah. done something different, which is great. You know, I always appreciate something that's trying something new something that's not trying to just be a clone of something else mm. so man that's awesome that's great and i hope that yeah if, you know people vibe with this man i hope they vibe with it. but i'm interested to know what this new script is like what what you know what i mean what what's what's next in the andrew burton uh you know what I mean? yeah well, um, currently on my floor in the other room, I have um, seven uh, feature-length uh, screenplays uh, printed and on the floor. Um, it's uh, the Chernobyl High series, um, which I'm going to start filming um, in probably February or March of next year. Um, and it is going to be about seven volumes of one story, so like a series of feature films. Um, so that's kind of what I've been writing. And then also this kind of new thing without a title, which is going to be um, a three volume thing um, and be quite a low budget thing just to kind of do on the side um, next year as well. Um, so that's, um, it sounds absurd, but that is like, <laughs> that's, that's like 10, 11, 12 movies I'm talking about right now, <laughs> uh, which are kind of on, the, they're uh, finished and ready to be put into kind of um, more kind of serious stages of casting and such. Um, so yeah. I've definitely spent the last year quite heavily writing um, Chernobyl High and this other thing. Um, so I've been kind of in writer mode for like the last year. Um, but I can kind of see like the light at the end of the tunnel currently because the scripting is 
nearly finished and I've done quite a few revisions on these things as well. Um, and so, yeah, I am personally kind of in the point now of kind of bringing these things into the world more or less um, and starting that kind of chapter in the lives of these scripts. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been hard at work, just kind of in the writing mode for about a year now and I'm still in it. Um, but yeah, Chernobyl High is kind of the main thing I'm going to start doing soon. Um, and there's going to be like a massive cast, um, a lot of locations. Um, it'll be exciting, I think. I'm, I'm excited because I learned so much, you know, filming these four films I'm talking about now. And I'm going to bring that kind of knowledge to, the, to Chernobyl and it'll be good. Yeah. Man, that sounds great. Yeah. That yeah. sounds great. And it's just like, hey, you know what I mean? I think when you enjoy something, and you, you know, you want to create, like, you have to put in that work, and you're, it's obvious you're putting in that work, right, I think too many people go, oh, I wish I could, or, oh, I, you know, I'd like to do, but then they just, you know, for whatever reason, they don't do the heavy lifting, so, yeah. no, that's awesome, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, yeah, seeing these new things. And hey, when you're ready, make sure you come back and uh, we can have another little confab about yeah. this, uh, this new stuff. For sure. Yeah, there's a lot of new stuff cooking. It'll be fun. Awesome, man. Cool. Well, I, I really appreciate your time, Andrew. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, all the, uh, all the Lord's men, man. Just about to drop. Well done. And, um, yeah, looking forward to uh, everything that else is going to be popping out from that crazy-ass mind of yours. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate the discussion. It was great to talk to you. Awesome. Oh, before, before I let you go, let people know how they can keep track of what you're doing. Yeah, uh, Instagram is uh, Burton Pictures Entertainment, um, and my website is uh, burtonpicturesentertainment.com. Um, and yeah, you'll be able to find out everything about uh, my production company um, slash me on those uh, the website and the Instagram. And yeah, Burden Pictures. That's what that's where it's at. Awesome, man. And, and you know what? You should start putting out some playlists so pe people can kind of get inside that dome of yours. And that's uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. I'd like that. Yeah, outstanding, man. Thank you very much, Andrew. Real appreciate your time. Thank you, Kevin. All right, man. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay, people. So that's it. Right? How great was that? Andrew, super interesting. All the Lord's Men is a crazy weird film, but it's interesting, man. It's worth a look. Right? So that's it for this week. Part two is a wrap. Remember, there is part one, so if you missed that, we've got three new films. So, people, we have got so much favor for you this week, as we already do. So, that's it for another one. I'm not quite sure. Maybe, I think next week there might be another two parts. We will see. But, whatever it is, people, it's going to be great. All right, so share with your peoples, and we will see you next week. Peace.